So, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this morning. We ask for your blessing over this service and over these words, Lord. Lord, we ask for your spirit to empower them, Father, to open our hearts, Father, and to give us encouragement, Father, for the times to come and for our family that we are part of, who you have brought us into and adopted us as your children. We ask this in the name of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, as you know, uh, yesterday, Ben got sick and was throwing up, and so I was at the Kairos training with John Peace, and about 8 o'clock, Israel said, hey, uh, Ben is sick, can you um, speak tomorrow? And I said, yes, I said a yes, I was there. So here is all my notes, so you don't have any notes in your, in your um, <laughs> to pass out to you, I guess if you ask, I can make copies of this piece of paper. Uh, but... Uh, we're going to be talking, and so what is, I was asking the Lord yesterday, what do we want me to speak on? And uh, the words that came to me was, our family, our family. And so I just wanted to, so I went and said, okay, Lord, well, what, what should I talk about our family? Well, number one, it would be, who is our father, right? If we have a family, usually there's a father, right? So we have a father, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about him uh, and we're going to be talking about our brothers and sisters throughout time. And I thought these songs today were perfect because they were all about our family. In my father's house is a place for me, right? That was one of our songs. My father's house is a place for me. How does it go? Where's Heather? Oh, there she is. Yeah, I can't remember the lyrics. I'm, I'm very bad at that kind of thing, so I don't get on the praise team. All right. Um, so let's get going on this. Uh, I had a, I, I go to lunch with Charlie every once in a while, Charlie Angel and a few older guys who used to be at Maranatha, a church that we came from in a way. Ray Warren, who planted this church, was an associate pastor at Maranatha. And so uh, there's a lot of connections to a lot of people in Greensboro who we know. And I went to there and one of the gentlemen was there, uh, Roger, and I don't remember his last name. He's from uh, former uh, Rwanda, uh, currently Zimbabwe, Roger Burden, yes, and he was, and I was talking about how the Lord had spoke to me about a verse in Hebrews chapter 2, and he says, hey, I had a vision from the Lord about that verse, and he said, I was asking the Lord, what does it mean in our family, and, and Jesus, he said he had a vision that Jesus came up beside of him, and he put his arm around him, and he says, it means our family. And they, he was just looking up, and I said, it really touched my heart, right, that I am part of a family. So all of you have come from somebody. Uh, you may have been in a very broken family, or you may have been in a very functional family. You may not have experienced parents. You may be adopted, but all of us came through somewhere. But when we are adopted into this family through faith, we receive a family of our own. What did Jesus say in Matthew? He said, to, he said hey, Jesus, uh, he was there with the disciples. And his mother and his brothers were outside and they wanted to see him. And he said, who are my brothers and who are my mother and who is my sister? It is those who do, do the will of my father. So all of you who do the will of our father, our Jesus' brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and 
So we are part of a family of faith. And what do you start? Where do we start in that faith? We start with the first thing is, Lord, I need to be saved because I am a sinner, right? We start our journey of faith by going, you are God and I am not. And you believe what the Lord has said. And he said this, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus, as Jesus is Lord, you will be saved for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we join the family of faith and we start saying, what do we want to do in this family of faith? What do I do now, Lord? Well, first let's look at, I'm going to do an expose on our family a little bit right, and see if I can bring some things together for you today. Who is our Father? Well, uh, you'll read the Bible, you'll find out that He's the Most High. He's the Most High. Our Father is the Most High. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, if you go and you look up the chain of people who are high, maybe you think the President is high. He might be the Most High in America, maybe. Or Putin is the Most High in Russia, right? Well, Jesus says, that our Father is the Most High, right? He's the Most High. He is above all authorities. He establishes all authorities. He created the universe. He sits outside of time. Before the universe was created, before the cosmos be he spoke into being became, He was, He was there. Our Father created everything. He is the Most High. He established all authorities. Do you know why He established governments? To restrain the evil in the hearts of men. That he gave them the sword to restrain the evil in the hearts of men so that men could live peacefully because we're very sinful and very selfish, right? When I came out of the womb, I was screaming, me, 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 I, I, I. And so through uh, gentle uh, spankings from my father and different other inputs from the church, I learned that it's not just about me, it's about more than me. It's about you too, right? It's about the whole world that God loves. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, right? Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Anyway, so I have a bunch of scriptures here. Um, I, I always pray to the Lord, Lord, help me not to say anything wrong about you to the people, right? Uh, I don't want to lead anyone astray. So a lot of times I just mostly read from the scriptures in this way. I cannot be so bad. Now you can mess that up because you can take scriptures out of context and you can therefore twist their meaning. So forgive me, uh, I will just be reading a lot of scripture to you today. I thought we would start with a really cool verse about our dad, if, we, if I may be so intimate as to talk about our father in this way and say, our dad. What is our dad's day job? What's your dad's day job? Did you have a day job? Okay. Well, I just chose this psalm from Psalm 9, verse 7 and 8. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. So that's our father's day job. He's judging the people. He judges the world. He sits on the throne. He is the king. 
That's who your dad is, all right, in our family. Uh, so he's got a pretty important job. Um, it talks a lot about the judgment on nations. In the Old Testament, you'll find this quite a bit, where God judged the nations for different acts that the kings and the people of the nations did, right? If you want to look at a preview, read the last part of Leviticus 18, uh, where the Canaanites were judged. So they said the, the, the land vomited them out, and he was bringing in the Israelites to wipe them out. So you can look at some of these judgments that God has put on nations, and while it seems like a long time to us, uh, a nation living 500 years is pretty short time to God. And so the sin of the nation piles up, and then God may take them out. It's interesting, one of the longest-lived empires in the world was the Byzantine Empire, where Constantinople was the capital, and Constantine was the emperor who had a vision from God, and he just conquered a bunch of the world over there. And so that, that empire lasted 1,400 years, which is longer than the Chinese dynasties and longer than any other one government. Isn't that interesting? All right, so anyway, that's just an aside. So, <clears throat> what is our Father like? Well, the Bible tells us that He is holy. He's set apart. He, has, he is pure. He doesn't have any sin. He is good and pure. And everything that He decrees is good. He is a righteous judge. He's a judge. And He is just. And that means that if there is an so how do we put it when, when we have a, a judgment? Say I go to court and I've committed a crime and I go to court and I want justice. Justice, right? That's what the word I'm looking for. So he will administer justice, right, for the crimes committed by someone. From our viewpoint, we want justice now, right? But in his justice, sometimes a nation is given a chance to repent, we're going to look at one of our angry older brothers soon and uh, see an example of that. <clears throat> it also tells us that God is gracious, that he is merciful. He forgives. You know, if you come to him and say, well, first of all, you say, you are God and I am not, right? And you say, you are God, please forgive me. He is merciful and gracious to forgive uh, based on the work of his son. Because all sin, all sin will receive a just punishment. And if you're a Christian and you have, you go, Jesus went and, re, and, and received your just punishment so that you will not be condemned with the world. But everyone else will have to pay for their own sin without Jesus. All right, so he's just, and every sin and thing that happened will be paid for uh, by the persons who did it or by our Lord who took it on himself to incur the wrath of God for us. All right. He's also long-suffering, says in the Bible. Long-suffering. That means that he bears with us doing bad things a long time. And messing up. Uh, Jesus likened us to sheep. And uh, from what I've read and heard, the sheep are pretty dumb. 
right? And they repeatedly do dumb things. Chris was telling me a story about he watched a a shepherd get a sheep out of a hole and he he worked and worked and finally pulled the sheep out and it jumped around like this and fell back in the hole. (laughs) That is about my life. (laughs) If it's not yours, at least you can look at me and say, there's an example. All right, so... The next scripture I would like to talk about, one of our older brothers, he was very angry at our father. He was very angry. He was so angry, he wished that he could die. This guy uh, turned out that he was in a country that was oppressed terribly. Horrible things had been done by a neighboring country. They had, I mean, they were bad people. And God called him and he said, hey, you, Jonah, Go and preach to the people in Nineveh. And so Jonah said no. And he got on a boat and he tried to go the opposite direction from Nineveh. And he was out at sea and God said, here's a thunderstorm. And so Jonah, he was very angry because God took him back to Nineveh using a fish, right? He, he was thrown into the ocean by the sailors and the storm calmed and the fish got him and took him back to the shore and then he said, okay, Lord, I, I repent of running away. I will go preach there. So he went and he did the greatest sermon. God's going to destroy you in 70 years. And that's what he said. And he just walked through the city saying that. And then he went up on the hill and he was, sat down. And he was looking down at the hill. And sure enough, the people said, God's going to destroy us in, uh, no, not 70 years. God's going to destroy you now, is what he was saying, I believe. And so... Uh, the people all repented of their sin. They put on, the king put on sackcloth and covered himself in ashes. And so Jonah sees, and then the Lord says, okay, I give this nation 70 more years. And so what does Jonah say about that? So he's sitting on the hill, and this is it. Jonah 4, 1 through 3. So this is our older brother, very angry at God. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and he said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He's an angry older brother. He did not like God's decision, but our father is sovereign, right? And he's loving and he's gracious. Here, here Jonah says, I knew you were loving and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster and slow to anger. And that is why I, wanted, I would rather die than you forgive these people, give them 70 years. <laughs> I, I know that many times I've been like Jonah, unhappy with God. And what he has decided is righteous and what's not. Uh, or why is that guy uh, get blessed? And I'm, and I'm just so angry. Uh, I've been there. So uh, I just thought I would testify about some of the people in our family, right? So who else is in our family? You know, you are in a long line of brothers and sisters in the faith, right? From Adam Till now, our family has been growing and is growing, and it is very large. In Hebrews it says, 
there's such a cloud of witnesses. And in Hebrews in chapter 11, you can go through there and read about some of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us. I'm just going to pick out the end of that because the end of it describes uh, more concisely a bunch of people who are our brothers and sisters in the faith. These people were before Jesus came. We just happened to be after Jesus did the work on the cross that allowed both them and us to be saved from our own sin. Okay, So here is what he says about our brothers and sisters in Hebrews eleven thirty two through 38. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness, mighty, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might gain a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now, I've got to tell you, that's our brothers and sisters and some of the things that the church, the family of faith from Adam till now have suffered because of their testimony for Jesus Christ and some of the things that they have done that were great, right? So... Now we get to now and us, right? Here we are. And I would like to, I wish that I could pull up and say, and here are the saints in Greensboro. And here is how they've overcome their great trials and come through and they believe in the Lord even after all the stuff they've been through. And he has released them from all of the sin and brought them into the kingdom of God, into a kingdom of light and life and love, which before, when we were born, we are born in the kingdom of darkness. We are slave to sin. Uh, we were born in slavery, which means that we are not born into the family of God. We are separated from that. It's when we hear the call of God and we respond and our choice is, You, Lord, You are God, I am not. And we say, I will follow You, Lord. And we put our, we confess Jesus as Lord. There's something in confession. It's not just, I believe Jesus is Lord, but I don't want him to be my Lord. I confess you are Lord, and I will follow you. Right? That's where we sit. So, I would like to be able to, to talk about the mothers and fathers of the faith. Uh, Dennis and Priscilla Robbins, who mothered and fathered me and my kids here in this body of church. Priscilla picked out the, these chairs, the color of them. Uh, they're happening to visit us with us today right here. Good to see you, Dennis and Priscilla. I cried when I saw them walking the door. I couldn't even speak. I was crying so hard. 
So, uh, and she also had picked out that block that you see outside that purple stripe out there. That was her too. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well. All right. So I would like to be able to talk about the, the heroes of the faith who overcome incredible broken families and are sitting here in this room right now. But I don't know enough of your story, and it would take a long time. So we're going to move on. So what is our family, you and me, brothers, supposed to look like? I picked this scripture out. I could have stolen from Romans, but I thought Ben would probably do it better in a few weeks when he gets to Romans 15. So I'll just read this from Philippians 2 through through 18. Uh, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Now that's the opposite of me. I came out of the womb saying, me, 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 I, I, I. And so it is like, God help me to put others before myself, right? Let each of you not look only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves. This is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, now here's our oldest brother, Christ Jesus, right? He was before time with God the Father. He and God the Father created the universe, set the continents in place, told the sea this far and no more. He has been there forever. And at one point in history, he added flesh to himself and became a man so that he could come and redeem us, sinful man, and so that we can have a relationship with God because God loves the world. Okay, So here he is. He's God from before the universe was created. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So, That's a way of saying executed by the government. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus came... For the glory of God the Father. He, he accomplished so many things I can't, even, I can't even put them all in my head. All the things that he did through coming to earth. He revealed. Do you know you can't know who God is? I mean, we live in the universe he created. So he's over here and you're in this universe. And you can look up and see the stars. And you can see the grass and the trees and the complexity of life around us. And you can, you can look at that. And, and the Bible tells us that we can know about his majesty and his power through the creation. But unless God comes out of this separation, out, out from out here where he's, he looks down on the cosmos and the trillions of galaxies, they estimate three trillion galaxies now, right? Uh, in 1950s, there was only, they thought the universe was one galaxy. Now, and then it became the Magellan Cloud got found, there was two. And then in the 60s, it became four. And now with the Hubble Space Telescope, they estimate... Uh, there's some low estimates of 100,000 and then all the way up to 3 trillion. So God is out here looking at all this he created. Uh, and Gloria had a vision where God was surrounding 
the, you know, there's a boundary on the edges of the universe, and God is outside of that. And unless he steps into the cosmos and shows us who he is, we can't know God. We can't see him. It's totally required that he revealed to us himself through his son, adding flesh to himself, taking on the likeness of man, so that he could show us in a living letter. Jesus is the word of God. He was a living letter to us to show us what God is like. And he was very loving, but he was also uh, very unhappy with people who were full of themselves. Uh, The Pharisees thought they could work their way to heaven by following the law. So they would adhere to the law very strictly, but they did not have mercy for people. And so they were just promoting a path to heaven that was based on their self-effort and not based on the reality that they, I, you have sinned. Even with all your perfection and following the law, you still have sin and you will be judged. And unless Jesus takes that sin for you, you will have eternal punishment. Anyway, so that every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. So God has set Jesus. He has given him the authority over death, and Hades, that's the afterlife. And he has given Jesus to judge every person. It's not God the Father who is going to judge us. It will be Jesus, right? You, it's not God the Father you need to be afraid of. Jesus is going to be the judge because he came and he walked the earth and he knows what it's like to be us. He was born in poverty in a barn. He was born, you know, in the cow's trough where they get their food. And he was extremely poor, right? And then he grew up and he changed the world by discipling 12 guys. Anyway, so here he was. Then the Lord called him to die on the cross. And he said, Lord, your will, not not mine. God so loved us, he gave us his son to go through the torture of crucifixion and die for us and God, and the lord so loved god he said your will not mine our lord jesus it shows the lord the love he had for the father and the love the father had for us right it's a, almost a two-way thing I'm, i don't know there's many many dimensions all right <laughs> let me go on so christian so i've talked about how if a If we're born in sin and we're sinners and Jesus took our sin on himself, what happens if we, as Christians, sin and continue to sin, right? What happens if I, um, it would be terrible if I led you astray, right? And I led you into doing sinful things. It would be very bad, right? I'm going to just read some of the things where this actually happened in the church and what God does about it and what he says about that. So we're going to jump back in time. Uh, there was this fellow named John who was one of the apostles. They call them apostles because they were with Jesus and they, um, <clears throat> and they brought the message of Jesus to the world, right? And uh, we have nowadays what we call apostles as well, um, which we see as a gifting of being able to plant churches. Maybe a, have, they have a certain gifting. Anyway, I'm not going on all that. 
But this guy, John, was one of the apostles. And if you don't know this, most, I believe, every apostle except John was executed by a government, whether it was the Roman government or the government in India where Thomas went to plant a church. Um, at least all of our history that, that Catholic church, Catholic, Roman Catholic church has held for us tells us about these things. And so Jesus appears in a vision to John, and he wrote the book, called Revelation, based on this vision. Now, that history holds that John was executed by the Roman government, or at least they attempted to, by boiling him in oil twice. And since he didn't die by those executions, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. So he's on exile in this isle. And Jesus comes to him in a vision. Uh, you can read about it in Revelation 1. And Jesus appears to him, but he says, I'm going to give you, I want you to send these letters to the different churches in the different cities. And, and so I'm going to read from the church of Thyatira. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, this is Revelation 2, 18 through 12, the words of the Son of God, whose eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. It's important here that our older brother is very serious about sin and about the church. He's very serious about what we're doing in the world. He is building the glory of God. And we are an adopted family, and we're in this very serious institution called the church. And this is Jesus is coming and he says, my eyes are like burning fire. I can see what's going on. I can see through all of those things. And his feet are like burnished bronze. And in, in the Old Testament, that would be like, uh, he has the power to crush and destroy um, things. He has the power to do those things. Our older brother is a very scary fellow. Uh, he can very well, he can be that. In fact, John, in, in Revelation chapter 1, saw Jesus as if you read the description, John fell down afraid. Now, this was the disciple who leaned against Jesus, and it was the disciple that Jesus loved. And so when he saw Jesus in this revelation, it was a, a different form of Jesus that he had seen. And he says to this, he says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed your first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat the food sacrificed to idols. And this is the important part. Now, this person is a believer, but she is teaching you guys to practice sexual immorality, adultery with each other. Behold... And this is our older brother. I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their works. And so we have this uh, idea that we can't just do anything evil all we want. The Lord is our older brother, will judge us. And if we don't repent, and this is what he says, I gave her time to repent. And she did not. So we're going to look real quick at 1 Corinthians 11.32 and how this judgment in the church works. Now in 1 Corinthians 11, we had a, a 
the church was meeting and they were having like junk, drunken parties and they were calling them love feasts. And it was like they were also trying to celebrate Jesus in that. And they were doing something very terrible that Jesus would hate was that they were preferring rich people over poor people in these meetings. And they were uh, getting drunk. And so uh, he comes to them and he says on 1 Corinthians 11.30, Paul is telling them, he's saying, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. And now here's what it works. This is going back to Jezebel, uh, if she had repented, right? And then Paul says to them, if we, but, in verse 31, but if we judge ourselves, we will uh, if, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. And this is referring to that time of repentance she had. If she had looked at herself and said, this is wrong, Lord, I, I have sinned, forgive me, I will stop doing it. If she had repented, changing her mind and then changing her behavior out of that, then she would not have been judged. I gave her time to repent, Jesus said. But when we are judged by the Lord... We are being disciplined. We are disciplined. So this judgment that she is receiving is also discipline so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Do you understand here that you can't just do anything you want as a Christian because Jesus will bring judgment. And, uh, <laughs> but if he does bring judgment, it's for your good because because of that, it's like, let me try to give you the example. Um, so I know Michael Cotton and Gloria Cotton had three sons. And I don't know that any of them did anything wrong their whole life, but one, Ben did confess to doing something wrong one time. And so when Michael uh, caught him in whatever he was doing, and Michael said, that's it, you've sinned against me, I'm done with you. I'm going to take you down over here on the south side of Greensboro and toss you out of the car, I don't have anything to do with you anymore. Now that's not how it worked, was it? And that's not how it should work in a healthy family, right? Your kids do something wrong, I happen to be blessed to be able to have a family and, and have a wife, and our kids did something wrong. So when the kid breaks the lamp, right, you say, don't do that again. And you pick it up. And then the kid does the same activity and breaks another thing. You say, okay, now I'm going to have to discipline you, right? Or maybe you discipline him on the first time. Uh, my dad, his dad would pick him up by the hair off the ground and beat him with the belt, right? So that was the discipline my grandfather gave to my dad. My dad did not pick me off the ground by the hair, thank God. <laughs> but... Uh, he, he did, at, on occasion, bring the belt, and I was truly afraid of it. Uh, and that is one of the things that should stop us from sinning, is knowing that Jesus can bring the belt. And what that belt may look like, uh, in the case of Jezebel, it was sickness. Now, I was a young Christian, and I, um, I had a baby out of wedlock. And I can tell you, I went through, I'm going to say, metaphorical hell for that activity right my heart was rent and broken and it i went through metaphorical hell and that is god's judgment on me and then god redeemed it in my case god redeemed that and now i have a family out of that 
But that's not, everybody doesn't get that, is not that, doesn't win the lottery like I did, so to speak. So there is, when it says the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord, as Christians, we, Jesus can be very scary. He is over the church. He's very serious about uh, God's glory and about his reputation. He's very serious about the Father's reputation. Have you ever had a kid that did something and made you look bad? Or maybe you had a dog and your neighbors came in and it came up and peed in the floor right in front of them. You go, oh, you know. Uh, God is very serious about his reputation. And so Jesus is very serious about his reputation. God says uh, in Galatians 6, 7, it says, uh, do not be deceived, God will not be mocked. Yes, say that louder. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So be aware, we are we're part of the family, and if we get judged and disciplined, the Lord is doing it for our good, just like you would do for your kids. Hey, stop that behavior because it's not good for you, and it's not good for your, you to grow up. If you read about discipline, if you just go to Bible Gateway and say discipline and look through Proverbs, you'll find a very well-laid-out thing about, hey, discipline your child so that they can have life. It will bring life later. It may be painful in the moment, but it will bring life later. And so God does discipline us as his children. Uh, But judge, look at yourself. Am I doing wrong? Let me change that. All right. So I'm going to close now. Ooh, that's really early, isn't it? Maybe I should talk for another 20 minutes. Uh. (laughs) We had a short worship time, I think. So as his family, what should we do, right? And what's our future? What is our future? We sang about it partially. I'll just read this to you. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 um, talks about us. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Uh, Yesterday at Kairos, a guy said, you know what grace means? It means God's riches. John, help me. At Christ's expense. Thank you. All right. John, you were too slow. <laughs> right. A good way to think of it is by God's, God's, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's, that's a good, good thought, right? Um, in Ephesians, it tells us, uh, actually, we're going to read it, so I won't say it. By grace you have been saved at Christ's expense, right? 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. A long time I've like fought with grace means so many things. Um, but when he said, when Paul said here in Ephesians 2, 7, grace, that he would show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness, it gave me an understanding of part of, it's because of God's kindness that he's doing this. He's kind. I didn't add that to the beginning when I said he's loving, he's long-suffering, he's holy, he's just, he's also kind. He's gracious, right? Kindness is a part of being gracious towards us in Jesus. And what does it say? And he raises up and sees him in heavenly places so that in the coming ages, so what age are we in? Church age. What age was Jonah our angry brother in? The law age. Uh, and so there's ages, right? We see that in history. Jesus came and he cut off the law age and he brought in the age of the church, the age of grace. And so we are in the age of grace where we know, Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, right? And that's on that side in the law, and before the law age, actually. Moses brought the law age. Jesus, God brought the law age through Moses, I believe. And before that, I don't know what the age was. But Job was back there before that, and he says, I know my Redeemer lives. All right? Speaking to the fact that Jesus was with God before he created the cosmos that we live in now. Jesus was with God, and he was the Redeemer that they looked forward to from ages past. And we are sitting here on the other side, and now we have the Redeemer revealed, and his name is Jesus. So he came, he added flesh to himself, he took on the likeness of man, and he died and bore the wrath of God for us so that we don't have to. So here, in the, ages, in the ages to come, in the coming ages, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So how are you saved? By grace. By God's kindness is how you're saved. And it's through faith, right? <laughs> and this is not your own doing, right? So it's, it's not our own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, like the Pharisees thought they could be very good and always adhere to the law, and they would be, the scales would balance. And this is what a lot of people in America think. I'm pretty good. I didn't murder anyone this month. So the scales are probably okay in my, my favor, and I'll probably go to heaven if there is a heaven. But most of the textbooks tells me they're not, so probably not. All right, anyway. Okay. <laughs> so it's not the result of our works. And it's that's so that no man who is born in, in sin can boast in his, his abilities that got him to heaven. It was Jesus and God's kindness that got us there. For we are his workmanship. You are, you are currently in the process of being worked. 
forged and reforged and he's putting you in the fire and you're coming out and the dross is coming off and the gold is being revealed. That is a process we're currently in as Christians if we're alive here. I know all of you have gone through some hard, hard trials, some of you much worse than others. I've had it light compared to many of you. Uh, But you are being forged and you are being crafted by God. You are His workmanship so that His glory will be revealed in the church when that day comes, when we step into the resurrection. How did that song go, Heather? I can't remember the lyrics. I can't. That's why I can't be on the praise team. The, uh, the last one we did, or, or the, the one with the church and the third one we did. We join when we join the resurrection, right? God promises that not only is, are our souls, which are currently being saved, right? The Lord is saving our souls. He's, he's making our souls better. We're supposed to be loving each other uh, and growing in God's grace and becoming more like Him, Right? But he promises that our bodies will also be raised again. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead. Jesus was the first one to rise so that he will be foremost in everything that's in Colossians. So this is our future. We get to see, we get to be part of the resurrection. And what does it say after that? You're on the spot. (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember, but it was really good. I was crying, so it didn't matter. Um, we are, we, that's our future with God, to see his kindness in the coming ages, not just now. And we will be part of the great cloud of witnesses that will look at our children. So Cheryl, you have a granddaughter. Her name is uh, London, right? And Allura. And they were a lot further along maybe than you at that age. When you think, and you'll get to look and to see the generations, right, in heaven from that, because we are part of that great cloud of witnesses, like our angry brother Jonah, who is watching on as God's work and the church expands across the earth and across time. We're all part of that family. So I would encourage you, if you have never accepted Jesus as your, as your Savior and acknowledged Him as your Lord, um, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, I mean, it's literally what God says. I raised him. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. This is the promise of the Bible, resurrection for us. We will live again, whether we believe in God or not. Our bodies will be raised. And those in Daniel 2, chapter 12, verse 2 says, those who sleep in the dust of the earth will rise, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. So everyone will rise, and, will, and those who believe in Jesus, who are in Christ, who God looks at and says, your sins have been paid for by my son. Um, those will be part of the kingdom of heaven when we, uh, when we are in the resurrection. So I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't said or confessed to anyone, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. He is my Lord. Come up, I'll hear your confession during this song. So Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for your encouragement, for lifting me out of, uh, out of a dark place and the dark, darkness that I dwelled and showing me your great faithfulness throughout my life. I'm 61, Lord, and you have been faithful when I have been faithless. Father, we ask you, Almighty God, today to bless us 
as we worship you again and go out this week, open our hearts, Father, to uh, follow you, hear your word, speak to this congregation, Father. Let them know, Almighty God, how close a Father you are. Uh, Lord Jesus, show these, your, your brothers and your church, how much you love them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.